Welcome once again to Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. And I've known born-again believers to live a life of worry, live a life of torment. And for them, the, the, the average in their life is to always be messed up, always be worried about something, always afraid of something, always under the circumstances. That's not Christ. And now let's tune in to today's broadcast entitled From the Cross to the Third Day by yours truly, Pastor Mark A. Stroud. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Between the cross and the third day. All right. So here again, now we understand, I want you to know um, Matthew 26 and Matthew 26 verses 26 through 29. We're going to look at that. Then we're also going to be looking at a few scriptures in Hebrew today, really to set the stage as to what the point was uh, for the whole death, burial and resurrection thing. Are you hearing? What's the point to it all? What's the why? 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 Well, we're going to look at some of this today. Uh, Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29 says this out of the King James Version. It says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave eat or rather gave it to the disciples and said, take eat. This is my what? Body. Uh, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. Verse 28, very powerful. It says, For this is my blood of the what? New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Another word for remissions is forgiveness. Remissions is a very fancy word. I like to use the word forgiveness. It's the same, same word. But the Lord said, this is the New Testament in my blood. Now, understand something. When he uses the word new, it automatically makes the previous one. Oh, there we go. All right. Let's 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 put some things down on the board today. Praise the Lord. He said, this is the what? New. Well, let me do it this way. Before the new, we had the old. Now the Lord says, this is the new, new made of better promises than the old. The Lord said, this is the New Testament, uh, which is shed for many for the remission or forgiveness of sins. So the New Testament was in Christ, in Christ. But in order for it to come out of Christ, the blood had to be spilled. His blood had to be shed. Are you hearing? Amen. Verse 29 says, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Help me pray for a second. Father, we thank you in Jesus name for this day. And Lord, we are depending upon you. We're depending upon your Holy Spirit to teach us, to lead us into all truth, show us things to come. Lord, I say, take control and take over. Give us hearts to hear and to understand. Teach us that we may learn thereby and grow and, be, and come into greater fellowship and awareness of you. In Jesus' name, let every heart say amen. amen. All right. So the Lord said, here is a new testament in my blood. Hebrews 12 verse 24 says this. It says, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. 
and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. That's Hebrews 12, 24. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. Amen? Amen. Now, if you are indeed born of God, you should be living under the what? New covenant, the New Testament. Are you hearing? Not Old Testament, but New Testament. The Old Testament does have purpose. It, it, it helps us to define the new, and we're going to see that. Helps us to define the shape and mold um, the new. It gives us shadows and pictures of what God would do for us in the New Testament. Hebrews 10, let me read this for you. Hebrews 10, verse 16 through 22. I'm giving you a little bit of background first before we get deeper in here. Are you with me? Hebrews 10, verse 16 through 22. It says, this is the covenant. I will say I will. Now, the phrase I will is that past? Is that present? Or is that future? I will. Okay. If I say I will give you $10,000. Is that at this moment? You hope so, but no, I will do that. I'm putting it out in the future, right? This is not something that is past. It's not really present. It is future. He said, this is what I will do. One more time, the Lord said, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. What days? After the days of the Old Testament, God said, I will do a new thing. He's going to do a new thing. There's a timeline going that way. He said, I will do a new thing. This is a covenant that I will make with them, uh, uh, says the Lord. After, after those days, says the Lord, he said, I will put my law into their hearts and in their mind will I write them. Under the Old Testament, where did God write the law? Anybody? On tablets. That's right. On tablets of, of stone. <laughs> Miracles happen. That does look good, doesn't it? He said in the Old Testament, he wrote them on tablets of stone, but in the New, he writes them on what? That's right. We know it doesn't really look like that, but you understand. All right. So in this New Testament, this new covenant, he's not going to write them on tablets. He's going to write them on your heart. He says in verse 17, and their sins and iniquities will I remember when? No more. No more. Under the Old Testament, there was a remembrance made of sins every year. The day of atonement brought them up. Every time you went to the church, brought them up. Your sins were there waiting on you. Hello. How you doing? There was a remembrance of sin under the Old Testament because you were always remember the Old Testament talked about doing, doing, do, do, do. But Jesus for us has what? He has done it. All right. Do done. There was always a remembrance of sin under the Old Testament. But Jesus said under this New Testament, this new covenant that is in his what? Blood that is in his blood. There's a new way. And it says that under this new way that God's bringing, he will remember our sins and iniquities no more. In other words, in other words, they have been put away. They have been put away. Are you hearing me? Now, what's the importance of that? 
Well, have you ever been with someone and you needed something from them, but you knew you did that you did you did them wrong? Okay, just keep looking ahead. You knew you did them wrong. You said something or did something and you thought they were really mad at you and you hated to ask them. Right? Okay, you may not know. I just I've had that experience before. Okay? So just take it from mine. Where I hated to ask somebody. I felt guilty for going to them and asking about something. Can I get one other person to Okay, I okay. All right. Think about that in relation to God. If you think or if you say, well, I hate to go and ask because, Lord, I, you know, I, I, you feel unworthy to ask because of something that you have done. Because there is a remembrance of sin. And you know that that person is going to bring it up to you. How dare you come and ask me after what you done did to me? What wrong with you? Anyway, you understand what we're saying, right? There is a remembrance of sin under the old way. But Jesus said under the new way, under the new covenant that was in his blood, he will remember our sins and iniquities no more. Which means that we can have a boldness in coming before the Lord. We can come before him in boldness to follow a relationship with him, to love on him and to inquire of him. Are you hearing? Oh, this is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, it says in verse 18, now where uh, verse 17 again says, and uh, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of sin is, there is no more offering for sins. Very important that you understand that. He says, where, uh, now where remission of sin is. Remission, as a fancy word for what word? Forgiveness. All right, some of you heard it before. All right. For forgiveness. When you see remission, I want you to think forgiveness. All right. It says again, now where remission or forgiveness. Now where uh, forgiveness of, of these is, there is no offering for sin. What does that mean? Under the Old Testament again, the people brought their lambs, their bulls, their goats for an offering because of the sin. And every time they would bring it in, there was a remembrance of the bad things that they had done. But the Lord said where, where there is forgiveness or remission of sin or putting away of sin, there's no more need for an offering. There's no more need for your turtle dove and your bulls and your goats because this is a new way that the Lord is bringing. Verse 20 says here, rather, rather verse 19, it says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Because of this new covenant that the Lord has given us, we can have boldness to go before God. What does that mean? That means that the blood of Jesus has not only, uh, not only, or let me say it this way, by the blood of Jesus or through his blood, I'm not all, my sins are not only forgiven, but they are put away completely so that when God looks at, looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Amen. So I can go boldly before him. Because he's put those things away. Everything that hindered me from having fellowship with him had been put away because of the blood of Jesus. 
so we can go boldly into the holies of holies by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20 says, by a new, say new, new. by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated uh, for us through the veil that it is to say his flesh verse 21 and having an high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water all right. So there is a new way that God has given for us, for all mankind to have fellowship, to have relationship with him. You ask some people, uh, why won't you go to church? Well, say, well, I can't go to church because I've done this, that or the other. It's always I can't relate to God based on what I have done. I can't come to God based on this sin based. I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. And all that does is put up a shield, a block between your relationship with God. But the Lord said, I've put that away. Now come to me. Now come to me. Well, well, pastor, why does the Lord say that we ought, we believers ought to confess our sin before God? Because understand something. If you don't confess it, uh, you confess your sin before God, then that thing that has been defeated, sin, the thing that has been defeated will try to rise up and usurp authority over you. When you confess it before the Lord, you draw God's attention to it. You draw the light to that area when you confess it. But when you do not confess the sin that is in your life, or we can say if when you do not repent of your sin, it continues to dwell in dark places. And when the devil dwells in dark places, he's going to just set up a fortified position and aim his bullets and his darts at you. And you're going to find depression. You're going to find guilt. You're going to find worry. You're going to find shame. And all these negative things will come up against you. And actually, it will. all these things will, in effect, begin to dull your hearing of the voice of God. Dull your heart to the presence of the Lord. And then there you are saying, oh, I, I don't feel God. I, I, I can't hear God anymore. Why is that? Don't you know that Jesus has already put the sin away? Yes, but there has been some unrepented sin. There is some secret sin and the devil loves to work in secret sin. He loves to work in unrepented sin. He loves for the saints of God not to repent. He loves it. Why? Because in that place, he can dull your hearing. He can dull your senses. And then we're out there. We're out there deep in a pile of in a pile of mess in life and you think that God has abandoned you when in fact he's standing right there with you but you can't hear him you can't feel him because of all this stuff that has not been confessed before him oh that was a word for somebody I know you got that so there is a place I've heard so many times that some say there's no need for the saint of God to repent that's trash that's hogwash Hallelujah. Yes, your sins have been put away. Praise God. But understand something. We're still living in this life and we're still prone to temptation. And when sin does occur, you must immediately repent of that thing. Let's go there just for a moment. Hallelujah. Let's go there just for a moment. If you refuse to repent, all you're doing is letting flies in your house. Sin opens the door to death. We know that from the book of Genesis. 
Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're born again. Hallelujah. Yes, you have power over the devil. Hallelujah. But if you have unrepented sin, you won't exercise that power over the the devil. You can be so deep in confusion and the enemy can so wrap your mind, so, so mess up your thinking that you won't believe that you have power over him. And you'll exist in that worry filled state. And I've known born again believers to live a life of worry, live a life of torment. And for them, the, the, the average in their life is to always be messed up, always be worried about something, always afraid of something, always under the circumstances. That's not Christ. No, no, no. Somebody left the door open and the enemy's been coming in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And what the enemy does, let me tell you this too. Let, let me clue you in on some things that happen in the spirit realm. When the enemy comes in, he's going to try his best to plant a seed before you get enough sense to cast him out. Amen. He's going to try his best to plant a seed somewhere. He gets in the front door. He's going to try to plant a seed or plant an egg. We can say, how about, a, you know, about them roaches? <laughs> the enemy works like a roach. Some of you don't know. Just keep looking straight ahead. Don't worry about it. He works like a roach. If you see that first roach, kill it immediately. Stomp it immediately. Because if you don't, it will go in dark places and start laying some eggs. And then those are hatch. And then they'll go and start laying some eggs. And then those are hatch. And then they'll start what? Laying some eggs. And the longer that house or that place goes untreated, the more they will multiply. Creating a stronghold of resistance in that home. And then they'll tell you, This is my house. (laughs) And you become the guest. There's an old movie years ago called Joe's Apartment. I'm not sure if you've seen that or not. I'm not recommending him just staying. The roaches were talking to him. Say, we own this place, Joe. This is our place, Joe. There are far more of us than you here, Joe. Joe lost his house. The roaches were trying to evict him. (laughs) So what are we saying? Unrepented sin. Now here again, sin comes in and it tries to be charming. It tries to be seductive. It's trying to win your hand. It's trying to win your trust. It's trying to tell you it feels good, so do it. It feels so good, so do it. But understand, its plan is to get into the house, infiltrate, lay eggs, and eventually control and dominate you. Sin still has the power. It is a defeated foe, yes, but it still has the power to master you if you let it. So this is why the body still needs to repent. Because if we do not, these things will grow and multiply and dull your senses to God. Praise Jesus. Well, let's go back now. We're almost done. We're coming to a close just shortly. 
Go with me to the book of um, Colossians 2, or you, or you can just listen. It's up to you, Colossians 2, or you can write it down, Colossians 2, verse 13 through 15. Now let's talk about between the cross and the third day. But before we can talk about the between, we've got to talk about the cross for a moment and what took place on the cross for you and I. And then we'll talk about, we won't be able to get to it all today, so we have to pick it up next week, Lord willing. Then we'll talk about what happened after Jesus died. Where did he go? And what happened? We know that he rose on the what day? The third day. What happened? Did he just lay there in the grave? Did anything happen there on the third day? Well, we're going to talk about what happened there in the third day. And I want you to or rather between the cross and the grave in those three days. We're going to talk about what happened there. And you understanding what happened there will help increase your faith and know what uh, what God has done for you and the great pains he took to get you free. Are you hearing? Amen. And then we'll talk about what happened after the third day. What did Jesus do after he rose from the dead? Did he go and play golf? Did he just lay there? What happened after that? See, you as a Christian need to know, need to know those three timelines. So what happened in his death, his burial and the resurrection from the cross to the third day. Won't this be exciting? So today we won't be able to get to it all, but we're going to look at the cross just for a moment. Here again, Colossians 2, verse 13 through 15. Listen to what this, how this reads. This is how the New Living Translation, I like the way it, it reads. So listen to this. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. Every last bit of them. Now, let me break for a moment. Is he just speaking of my past sins? When God forgave sin, when Jesus came to put away sins, all sin, is he just talking mainly about your past sins? Of course not. He's talking about your past, present, and future. Remember when Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed, you weren't here. If you were, please clue us all in. I would like to know. You are pretty old. So when God declared forgiven, we weren't there. So he could not possibly be just talking about my past sins. Now, if we were there during the cross experience, then we probably we might think, OK, all right, well, maybe just no. None of us were there. We can't even come to that conclusion. That conclusion for them would have been incorrect as well. So the Lord's speaking about our past, present, and future sins over our entire lifespan. Let me show you this. Look at someone's um, tomb. Let's say they were born this year. Let me come over here a little bit. They were born this year here, and they died that year. In between here is what we call, anybody? Life. There's a person right there. Best I can do for you today. <laughs> so the cross, which was done back over here, uh, I'll say it over here, it was done over here, its effects sprouted out 
well past that person's lifetime. You came into the knowledge of something that was already completed. You received something that was already completed. Well, why isn't all of mankind saved? Why isn't that? The Lord said very clearly that we have to have faith in what he has done. We have to receive what he has done. The work has been completed. And all sins have been have been forgiven, but you have to receive what has been done by faith. In other words, the father is not going to be like the devil. The devil throws something on you whether you want it or not. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. You don't want him. He won't force his way in your life. You have to receive the work of God. Are you hearing me? But the work has been done. You can go and tell people, hey, buddy, don't you know? Let me tell you the good news. What's the good news, man? I say 15%. No. <laughs> say, what's the good news? The good news is that Jesus has already made the way for your sins to be forgiven. Now you have to believe, now just believe in him and trust in him and God will save you. And during this is what we call the born again process that they really believe in their heart. They confess with their mouth, the Lord Jesus, God will change him and he'll make them a new creature. Are you hearing? All right, let's go on. We're going to have to close out today. It says, uh, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all all our sins. Verse uh, 14 says he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The charges that were against us. The Bible said that King James talks about um, he blotted out the handwriting of, of remembrance. All right. This is very key. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual spiritual authorities, rather the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his by his victory over them on the cross. Now, listen, it says he canceled or he blotted out the record against you. All right. Now, if, if anybody has ever had a rap sheet before, don't hold your hand up. Just keep looking straight ahead. If you ever had a rap sheet or anything bad on your credit, you know that that thing will follow you, right? Let's, t- let's go from the credit standpoint. It will follow you, follow you. Some things get off maybe seven years or 10 years. They will follow you. Let's say you go in somewhere to get a loan. They pull it up. Talk. There it is again. Can't get it. You say, well, I'll, I'll try again. You go and you save up enough money, this and that, and the other, they pull it up again. If it's not past a certain time, it will follow you. And this thing that has been following you on that credit prevents you from receiving the blessing. Somebody say amen. amen. And so the father said, this is what I will do. He said, I have a blessing for you. But your sin, your iniquities, it's like that bad mark on your credit. And whenever you have gone before him to receive something, you can't because of that bad mark that follows you. There is a remembrance of sin. The father said, I want to bless you. I love you so much. I want to give you all that I have for you. I want us to have a relationship with one another. So here's what the father said. He said, I'll give my son to be a sacrifice and I will lay on him. I will nail to him, nail on him all of your sin. I'll put your rap sheet, your credit report on him. 
This, in effect, frees you up. Because he then pays the price for us. He said he nailed it to the cross. Now nailed it. Who is the it? Jesus Christ, the it, the record against us in the body of Jesus Christ. Nailed it to him. It was almost like God tattooed him with your sins. That was on him, put on him. And the Lord hung there with your record on him. In effect, he not only died for you, he died as you. If we can comprehend that. He so securely did the work that he carried that away. Now listen uh, to um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. You can write this down. It says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was made sin for us. Say he was made sin for me. Now listen to Galatians 3 uh, verse 13 and 14. It says this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone that hangeth on the tree, hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon, might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Are you hearing what took place on the cross? Again, all the records that were against you, everything the devil was using. If we're going to talk about it as in a court case, okay, in a court case, the defense team has all this ammunition against you. They have the videotapes. They have fingerprint evidence. They have DNA evidence. There's no mistaking. You did it. Are you hearing? You did it. The record is stacked against you. And God said, I need to free my children. I need to bless them. I need to deliver them. But the devil keeps coming up. I got all this evidence against them and you going down. You going away for life. As a matter of fact, we're trying to get you the death penalty for what you've done. And so the enemy is just throwing accusations, throwing accusations. And they're true. You know you did it. And the only defense, the only defense that we have is saying, God, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. So the father says, I love them and I want to be in right relation. I want them to be in right relationship with me. I want to give them the promise. So what does the father do? He has because he's a just God, because he's absolutely holy. He has to deal with the sin. He has to deal with the record. He has to deal with the credit report, if you will. He has to deal with that. He can't just sweep it under the rug. If he just swept it under the rug, then he would not be just. The sin has to be dealt with. All these charges against you, everything that was done wrong, he has to deal with it. He can't just let you in because he likes you, because he loves you. He has to deal with it. This is staring him in the face. All the evidence of the defense team, all or rather the prosecution, I believe, all of that evidence is stacked up against you. What are you going to do? We can't do anything because it's all true. So what will God do? God says, I'll take all that evidence, DNA evidence. I'll take all that fingerprint evidence. Uh, I'll, I'll take all that 
Facebook evidence because we saw it in your post. I'll take all this evidence. I'll take all this evidence that was against you and I'll put it on Christ. I'll nail it to him. I'll nail it to him on the cross. So he who knew no sin was made sin for us. Our sins were put on him. Are you hearing? Now let me give you one more excellent picture of this in um, Isaiah 53. Some of you know this by heart, which also talks about this very same thing. Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6. You can write this down. And it says this, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Transgressions. He was wounded for us. He was beaten for us. Say he was beaten for me. He was wounded for me. He was bruised for our iniquity. Say he was bruised for my iniquity. My sin. It says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, he was chastised or punished so that we could have peace. Are you hearing? And it says, and with his stripes, we are healed. Now listen to verse six. It says this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of our sin was laid on Jesus. Now, why is that important for us to know? Why is it important for us to know? Because if you are indeed born of God, born again, then the devil comes up with that same old mess and say, you remember what you did so and so? You can say, what are you talking about? Jesus already paid the price for that. That evidence has already been dealt with. You can't bring it up to me anymore. You can't bring it up. It's gone. It's gone. It's covered in the blood of Jesus. It's done. It's done. Are you hearing? You can't tie me to my past. It's done. That's why it is so disgusting for any member, especially members of the body of Christ, to try to tie someone else to their past. Considering what Jesus Christ has already done for them. It is disgusting. Because God has removed that. He has taken that away. It is covered by his blood. And when you bring up someone else's past, oh, you used to do this. Oh, you used to do that. Don't you understand when you do that, you're actually working for the devil? Bringing an accusation against that person? Are you hearing? No, God has released us. So Jesus, we don't have time today, but Jesus is also our Passover lamb. He's our Passover lamb. We're going to show you how this ties in so beautifully what happened there between the cross and uh, the third day. He's our Passover lamb. He's our Leviticus uh, goats. There were two goats in Leviticus, the scapegoat and the sin offering. He represents both of these. And we're going to look at that as we go on as well. The work was done so completely that even Jesus upon the cross, his final words declared, it is finished. It is finished. 
And now we can come boldly. Now the New Testament is active because it could not be active. This testament or this will or this covenant could not be activated until the testator, until the person died. And when the Lord died, when he said it is finished, it was done. Now the way has been made. Are you hearing? So how do we know he was our sacrifice? How do we know that God received the sacrifice? All this sin has been put on Christ. And Jesus said again on the cross, he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? When have you ever known the Father to forsake the Son? You have not. Well, what happened? All the sin of humanity was now upon the body of Jesus Christ. All the sin, your sin, my sin, all the sin of the human race now upon the body of Jesus Christ. And he suffered the wrath of God on our behalf. Oh, how awful and horrible. Are you understanding? The separation from God, holiness, perfect love, perfect love and companionship now turn this back on the son that was housing the that was housing all of our sin that hurt much more than Judas's betrayal that hurt much more than than Peter's betrayal that hurt much more than the whip and then the pulling of the hair out of his beard that hurt much more than a crown of thorns when the father turned his back and Jesus said father why have you forsaken me where have you gone I don't feel your presence I don't feel your love I'm alone he did that for you and for me he took it away so that we could have relationship with the father he took it away He loves you more than you will ever know. And the price that was paid was more than any of us can even fathom. We could not fathom that. So that is what happened on the cross. There is much more, but this is the part that I know the Lord wants me to give you today. That's what happened. When you see a cross, be reminded that the father nailed your sin, your record to the body of Jesus. And Jesus carried that, carried your sin and my sin far away. How far? He carried it into the grave. How far? He carried it into hell. He carried it away. Well, what happens there? A bit of a preview. What happens there? The sin is burned up. And how do we know that God has received him? Because one moment we see he's carrying the sin of humanity and God has forsaken him. How do we know that God has received the sacrifice? Because now he sits at the right hand of God. The sacrifice has been received. If he didn't get up, if Jesus did not rise on the third day, then that would mean that the sacrifice is incomplete. It was not acceptable. Not acceptable. 
But for the fact that God raised Christ from the dead means that the work is complete. It is perfection. And your righteousness has been attained forever. And now if mankind, the human race, rejects the son, there is no more hope. There is no more help. After what Jesus went through. I look forward to being back with you all next week as we continue in the message uh, from the cross to the third day. Between the cross and third day, give God a hand of praise. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give God a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Let's thank God for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.